0: And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit plannedparenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause.
1: Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Monday edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Please like, share, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts across the Big Blue View Radio network. All right, your New York Giants return to work today after their bye week. They host the Green Bay Packers. Next Monday at MetLife Stadium, and uh, with with five games left in the season, late bye week for the Giants. Lot to uh, lot to discuss about the last five weeks of the season. What to watch for, and uh, here to help me uh, do all of that is Big Blue Views Tony DelGenio. Tony, how you doing?
2: I'm doing well, thanks.
1: So, uh, so you uh, you've been enjoying the bye week. You've been enjoying a little bit of downtime.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's it's a little bit more uh, relaxing. I still wind up paying attention to NFL stuff, I think as much as I ever do, though.
1: Yeah, it uh you know I, I find that I can't get fully away from it. I mean, you still have to still have, have to produce content, still have to do podcasts, and that's that's what people want from us, and and that's what we try to provide. Yeah. So as we think about the last five games of the season for the Giants, four and eight. We know, you know, playoffs are, are a pipe dream. It's not about playoffs at this point. Um, In some respects, it's not even about winning and losing. It's about a lot of other things. Uh, it's about development. It's about figuring out who's part of this team next year and, and how they might go forward into 2024. But For me, the first question comes down to who plays quarterback for the Giants the next five weeks? Are the Giants going to stick with Tommy DeVito, find out if they think he can be a QB 2 in the NFL? Are they going to go back to Tyrod Taylor if uh, if Taylor comes off injured reserve here and is ready to go after his rib injury? I think there are valid reasons for the Giants to do either of those two things. I know the fan base wants to see Tommy DeVito, Tommy Cutlets, whatever you want to call him, the the uh, the New Jersey cult hero of, of the day for the Giants. The fan base wants to see DeVito. Tony, I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are on the better path for the Giants over the last five games.
2: Well, you know, I think on one of these podcasts I think I already said that I thought that when uh Tyrod Taylor was was healthy again that that he will and should become the Giants quarterback, but I've I've reevaluated that over the last 2 weeks and I think the reason for that obviously is that First of all, I, th- I think there's very little chance that Taylor comes back to the Giants next season. At the at the moment, I could be wrong about that, but it certainly
1: uh, it certainly sounded that way when Joe Shane spoke to media the other day. That it didn't sound like the Giants were all fired up to uh, to make sure Taylor came back next year.
2: Yeah, yeah, and 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 then the other side of that is that what you've seen from Devito in the last two games has been really intriguing and you know you would you'd ordinarily say an undrafted free agent quarterback you you wouldn't really have any serious hopes for the best the best you might you know, think is that he'd some be some reliable emergency quarterback that you stash on your practice squad in case your, your top two guys get injured. Or if you're, if you're, if you're really dreaming wildly, you might imagine that he could be your, your backup quarterback, uh, QB too. But, but the fact is the last two weeks he's shown a lot. I mean, he's been far from perfect. It's not like, not like he, you know, became Tom Brady all of a sudden. Okay. But, uh, but he has, has shown, I, I think, some some good feel for the pocket. He's shown an aggressiveness. Uh, I think he's shown fairly good accuracy on his passes, and uh, I think he's shown that 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 he has kind of something in, in inside a gumption to him uh, that has made him an an effective quarterback in two victories in in for two weeks in a row. He's Done some bad things also. Obviously, he's held the ball too long and been sacked. And I've been watching a few uh, analyses on, uh, on film uh, by by experts uh, about him, and you know they've claimed that you know he's responsible for for some of those own sacks, not just for not getting rid of the ball quickly, but for missing guys that were open that he could have easily gotten the ball to. So there are obviously things to to work on. But I think what we're seeing the last two weeks is someone with potential. And if you have a young player with potential who costs you next to nothing, then I would say, well, why not see what he can give you over the, these last five weeks? And so I've, I've come down on the side of them, them starting Devito even when Taylor is ready.
1: You know, I think I've kind of followed a similar tra- trajectory with my thinking, Tony, because before we saw the last two weeks, I thought it was a no-brainer that you go back to Tyrod Taylor because I thought that would be the the thing that would be the most fair for the entire roster because it's not just about the quarterback. It's about everybody else as well. But the last two weeks make you think twice. And we, like you, I think that you played DeVito because you need to find out can he be and and I'm not going to sit here and say he's the Giants quarterback of the future and all of that because because I think the more that he plays I think we may you will know, we'll begin to see you know some of the ceiling. I think we'll begin to see you know some of the some of the warts and I I I think the the arm strength isn't great I don't think the athleticism is great in terms of getting out of the pocket and making things happen, but there's a lot to like there. And if he can be, if he can make the offense function and shows you enough that he can be QB2 and maybe QB1 for a couple of weeks next year, if Daniel Jones isn't ready to start the season, that saves the Giants money. It saves the Giants because Tyrod Taylor, for example, is what, two years, $10 million, $11 million, something like that. And that's about, you know, that's a pretty standard rate for a quality backup, you know, number two quarterback in the NFL. And if you can save that money, maybe you can use that on an offensive lineman. Maybe you can use that on an edge rusher for depth. Maybe you can use that on a veteran cornerback. For depth which are all areas that the Giants need so for me I think DeVito has shown you enough and he's got enough support from his teammates just Mm -hmm. listen to them watch the videos of Saquon Barkley you know when DeVito was introduced the other day at MetLife Stadium and you know that the team is enjoying playing for DeVito as well at this point so I'm with you I think you have to find out if he can be your number two next year, because I mean, that's that's we've seen it. Every NFL team sees it. That number two is absolutely critical. And, and you know, it, it also would give the Giants the opportunity to draft and develop another quarterback as well. So but uh, but yeah, I I think I come down on on the side of, of starting DeVito as well, which is not a place I thought I would be two weeks ago.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Neither, neither did I. And of course we have the example in the NFL of Brock Purdy, who really came from out of nowhere. And I just kind of assumed that, that, okay, he'd start for them for a while just because they, they had no other options because of injuries. But even when the other guys became healthy, they decided he was giving them a better chance. And Brock Purdy doesn't have the greatest arm either but he manages to function very well in that offense of course he has the luxury of having some of the, the best skill players in the NFL with him on that 49ers offense between Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk uh, you know that's and, and McCaffrey uh, they, you know, they've got they've got an, an amazing offensive team never mind the defense but still, Purdy is not holding that offense back in 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 any sense of the word. He fits right into that offense, and he, I think he's doing pretty much exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants him to do. And so you see that example and you say, well, you know what? You, you just can't be too affected by someone's draft pedigree. You have, to, you have to say, let's look at what the person does on the field.
1: You know, the opportunity is there, and we'll see what he makes of it. And I think uh, my best guess is come next Monday – the national spotlight against the Packers, I think DeVito is probably behind center for the Giants.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. Your body is your own. That's why Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Today, lawmakers who oppose abortion are challenging Planned Parenthood, Affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. Planned Parenthood believes that health care is a basic human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies. They also work tirelessly to oppose the onslaught of new policies aimed at interfering with personal decisions best left to patients and their doctors. They won't give up, and they won't back down. You can join Planned Parenthood in the fight to help make sure that the next generation can decide their own futures. The organization needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause.
1: Tony, let's talk a little bit about players who have things to prove over the over the the last five games. You know, players to to really pay attention to. I had you, you know, we you and I uh, talked about you doing a piece on uh, you know on on players who who kind of have a have a lot riding on the last five games, and and uh, I hope that that folks at Big Blue View have read that by now, as we. Uh, as uh, as we're, we're doing this show for Monday morning. But, you know, there's a couple who stand out. And for me, the biggest one, and I think everybody knows this, but the biggest one, the guy with the most to prove, the guy the Giants need to see the most, I think is Evan Neal. They need to get him back on the field. They need to get him back in the lineup. Joe Shane said the other day he's – he still believes that neil can be a tackle maybe that opinion changes in the offseason depending on on how things go on how free agency goes on how the draft goes on how the next 5 games go but i think these next 4 or 5 games if neil can get healthy and get on the field they're huge for him and they're huge for what the Giants' offensive line looks like in 2024? Do they need to go after a guard? Do they need to go after a tackle? You know, how do they need to uh, to approach that line?
2: Yeah, and so I think you know for Evan Neal, I the question right now is, will he get back on the field? And I don't know what, whether there've been any updates on the condition of his of his ankle, but uh, uh, obviously, first they have to clear him to to play again. And you you'd hope that with five games left, he'd get back out there and be able to play at least a few of them so that you could, you could see whether there's, there's been any further development, but he's been, he's been, I think the most amazing potential miss of, of, of anyone that I've seen in such a long time, uh, for that article that, you know, that I'm, I'm working on that you're, you're mentioned that I've worked on that you're mentoring, mentioning the, I look back at what all the scouts and, and and draft experts had to say about him, and uniformly they mentioned the things that we notice about him now as a giant—the the the lunging, leaning, balance issues, and and, and things like that. Uh, the fact that his uh, uh, when he goes forward with his arms, his feet don't come with him, and that's how he gets off balance, and so on and so forth. Everybody mentioned those things about him, yet. Everybody basically said these things can be corrected and his positives are just so much higher than than any of these negatives that, that this guy looks like he's gonna be a, a real beast in the NFL. And everyone had him as one of their top few players, either their top offensive tackle in that draft or the or the second one behind Equanu. And what we've seen, of course, for two years now is that, yeah, those issues that they all raised are there. And no, apparently they haven't been easy to fix. And I don't know whether that is is draft experts who aren't coaches themselves underestimating how difficult it is to, to fix a flaw in someone's approach to things, how much of it is the quality of the coaching that he's getting on the Giants. And you know, you've got to wonder about that, considering that the whole Giants offensive line had, was historically bad early in the season. Uh, but whatever it is, it's it's just the most, the most puzzling and disappointing thing.
1: It is. And I talked to Dane Brugler of The Athletic, one of the best draft analysts in the business, had him on the show on Friday. And Dane and I talked about Neil. And Dane was one of those people who thought Neil was a slam dunk top 10 pick. Is surprised at the lack of development. You know, he's had some injuries. He had injuries last year. He's been in and out of the lineup this year. Concussion that cost him time in training camp. Two ankle injuries this year. It's difficult to develop. It's difficult to continue to get better. When you can't get on the practice field every day, when you're missing game reps, and those things have cost Neil this year. I thought there were a couple of glimpses, a couple of games where you thought, okay, he's showing, you know, some things, but when you can't get on the field, it's hard to build off that stuff. And you know, Dane mentioned to me, he said this was a guy who was on Bruce Feldman's college football freaks list before the draft, which talks about you know the best athletes in college football and I think the thing that we've all been surprised about that everyone's been surprised about is like you said Tony the fact that some of these issues haven't gone away or haven't improved and and for me I, I've said it before it's a lot of it is footwork and a lot of it is just, you know they talk about some athletes as dancing bears some of these these offensive linemen and and I think we thought every Evan Neal was going to be one of those guys but he's not he's a little bit clunky in his in his movements in his you know in his footwork and and that's not to say he still can't be a right tackle but but the Giants have to know they have to get him out there and if they're still not sure at the end of this season, then you think they have to go into free agency and look for a right tackle, or they have to go into the draft and look for a right tackle and and move Neal into guard. So I'm, I'm hopeful that Neal gets on the field. So they've got whether he succeeds or fails, whether so that they've got as much information, as much evidence as possible to make their decision with.
2: Yeah. And there's, and there's such a big difference between going into a season thinking that you've got at least three of your five pieces on the offensive line settled, taking Andrew Thomas as as one of the other ones, of course, and John Michael Schmitz, who you know, obviously is a rookie and he's had some growing pains, but overall he's looked fairly solid there at, at center. And so I think there's every reason to think that, that at the least he'll develop into a capable center. And so in my mind, I feel like they've got two of the five positions settled. And if and if that third one, and especially since it's a tackle, could be settled and you just get into the offseason saying, well, are there ways for us to strengthen the guard position uh, or hope for development from the existing young guards that that they have? That's a lot better position to be in than, than if you think you've got still got three-fifths of the line that you have to do work on in the offseason. And especially because in you know in round one, when you'd ordinarily want to take an offensive tackle, I think most of us know the Giants might want to use their first round pick on a different position than tackle.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I don't want to really stray into, into that whole quarterback discussion at this point, but, uh, you're, you know, you're, you're right. It's, you don't want to have to use that pick because you, you made that pick already. And that means that you're circling back to something you already thought that you fixed not that long ago. And, And that just lengthens the build, It lengthens getting to where you want to be. And, you know, you you mentioned three fifths of the offensive line and Dan Hatman of the Scouting Academy, who's a a friend and who I have on the show every so often, always says that what you need on an offensive line, on an offensive line, you need three studs, you need three studs and then you. You work with the other two positions. You try to find adequate players. You try to fill in those spots the best you can. And if you can find adequate players for those two spots, you know, with three, you know, with three stud players around them, then you've really got something on the offensive line. And and I think that's where the Giants hoped they would be with Evan Neal and and John Michael Schmitz, and and they don't want to circle back and have to start again there. But, uh, Tony, let's talk about – let's move off Neil, and let's talk about uh, just quickly a couple of other players that you're really interested in um, over the last five games. I know for me, um, I'm really, really interested in the development of Jalen Hyatt over the last five games. Mm -hmm. You know, he came off that Rookie of the Week performance – You know, week twelve, first hundred yard game of his career. We've seen a couple of flashes from him this year. I would love to see Hyatt begin to become, you know, more consistently that sort of downfield, game changing kind of player that that the Giants are able to get the ball to three, four, five times a game. So I'm really interested in him. I'm interested in Aziz Ojolari to see if he can show something. I don't know how healthy Ojolari actually is because he's done nothing even when he's been on the field. But, you know, there are a few guys that that I'm really interested in. I'm curious which guys, you know, we've talked about DeVito. We've talked about Neil. I'm curious if there are a couple guys that you personally are really interested in seeing over the last five games.
2: Well, I, I certainly won't disagree with you about Hyatt. I did not put him on, on my list um, only because I my approach to, to my piece was to was to talk about uh, players that I thought there were real question marks about.
1: Guys that had gotta, to make decisions about, sure.
2: Guys you got to make decisions about, yeah. Uh, so I don't put Hyatt in that category yet. I think the only question mark is just how good can he be? And you know, I'd say that I am—I am really stoked about Jalen Hyatt's future uh, as a as a giant. I think he's got a great chance to show what he can do if, well, regardless of whether DeVito or Taylor quarterbacks for the last five games, be, because both quarterbacks showed that they're perfectly willing to throw the ball out downfield to, <laughs> to him. And so uh, I, you know, I think, I think he's, he's got some real opportunities to, to show his development. And I think what, what I would like to see from, from him is developing uh, a, a more extensive root tree so that they're not just using him when they take a shot downfield. He's been sort of, for the most part, an all-or-nothing kind of uh, wide receiver, and that's great. The other thing I would like to see from him, and it's, this is not actually his fault. This is a this is uh, quarterback issue, but just once I want to see a quarterback hit him in stride because you you know you saw over and over again when he was at Tennessee, if he gets the ball in space and you hit him in stride, he's going, (laughs) he's going, Mm -hmm. you know, all the way. And unfortunately the balls that have been thrown to him this year, he's had to make really good catches on because they haven't really been perfectly thrown balls for the most part. And, and so he hasn't really had an opportunity to show off all of his talents, but beyond that, the other thing I would want to see from him uh, is, is a, a more complex retreat to see what he can do more on on you know crossers and over routes and and you know things of of that sort where you get him at that intermediate depths but in space and then to see what he can make out of those in yards after catch because i i think he's he's got just tremendous potential uh and yeah. go ahead
1: no, I was going to say, you know, beyond Hyatt, um, you know, who else are yeah. you? You know, so, just give me a couple of guys yeah. that are on your on your list as yeah. far as uh, you know, guys the Giants have to make decisions on.
2: So you mentioned Azizo Gelari, and he he's on my list, and it's it, it's mainly because of of all the injury. It's partly because of all of the injuries. He's another guy that I looked back on to see what the scouting reports were on him when he was coming out of college, and. Many people had him. I, actually, most people had him as a first-round talent, and uh, there was at least one person that had him. I don't remember who had him. Oh, oh, it was Dane Brugler. Yeah, in the Athletic, in in the Beast, had Ojolari at his as his edge one coming out of that draft. And that was a fairly deep draft for edge rushers. There were a lot of them that went in the first round, something like half a dozen went in the first round. Jalen Phillips and uh, uh, Owe and uh, uh, Tryon and uh, uh, I can't remember who else called Pay, and so on and so forth. I'm leaving a few out. I know Rousseau, that's the other one. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and Brugler uh, thought that O'Jalari was better than all of them. And he, ha- and what they all talk about is his tremendous athleticism. And they thought that that would play really well in the NFL. The one misgiving that they had about him was that they said he was small for an edge defender. He was like 15 to 20 pounds lighter than most of the other guys that were touted as round one picks. And they thought that he was a little bit of a one trick pony with his speed moves and needed to develop other ways of getting to the quarterback and that his small frame might, might make it difficult for him to do that. And maybe we've seen a little bit of that so far. He got off to a great start as a rookie with 10 sacks in, in limited action as a rookie. Uh, but then since then he's, He's not been as effective. And of course, he's had all these all these injuries. The ironic thing is the injuries have had nothing to do, supposedly, with the thing that happened to him in high school, which is what created the red flags on him just before the draft that caused him to slip to the second round in the first place where, where Dave Gettleman could, could grab him. I think he's a good guy. He worked in the off season a year ago to try to, to bulk up his upper body, probably so that he could he could do more of those strength type, uh, bullying type edge moves and so on. But we haven't seen it appear in his game. And and when I look at him now, I just wonder whether whether he really is fully recovered from this year's injuries. I guess the most recent of which was a hamstring, if I remember correctly. I still love right. him as a player. Uh, he's not particularly great against the run, but as a pass rusher, he's looked like he had so much promise. Obviously he's got another year to, to show what, what he can do. But at this point, I think the giants are going to have to find an edge defender either in the draft or in free agency somewhere. Cause they, can't just can't rely on him being edge two going into the next season. So if he can do something in these next five games to show that the old Ojolari is back, that would I think you know go a long way towards towards mollifying Giants fans and coaches.
1: You know Ojal Ogil- had five and a half sacks last year in just seven games. He did show you know some some pass rush skill. He did show some of that explosion. He just didn't stay on the field enough. Yeah. And, you know, this is a guy, as you said, he was a little bit light. He gained 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. And when you look at him, you just wonder, because he's had all manner of lower leg injuries, ankle injuries, hamstring, quad, all kinds of that kind of those kinds of injuries. You just wonder sometimes. You know, some people, you gain that upper body weight, maybe your legs just can't support it. And and maybe that's been part of the case for him with all of the lower leg injuries. He's a tremendously talented player. I said at the beginning of the season, now Kayvon Thibodeau's had a fantastic year, and he's developed, and he's gotten better and better as a pass rusher. But I thought at the beginning of the year, and I said as much, that I thought Aziz Jalari was a more natural pass rusher than then Thibodeau. It's just it hasn't shown up. It hasn't been there. Maybe it's because he's been health he hasn't been healthy, but I would like to see something from Ojalari over the over the last uh over the last five games. Because those two together, if they both play at the level that they're that they're capable of, that the Giants expected them to play it. If they're both able to do that, then that's really special for a defense with guys coming off the the opposite edges, you know, wreaking that kind of havoc on, uh, on, on opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, and, and
2: I think you can't underestimate how having a good edge defender on the other side helps your number one edge defender on the opposite side because the way the Giants are right now, uh, teams don't have to plan for the other side of the line. They can they can just do whatever they need to do to try to disrupt Thibodeau. They can they can you know chip him with a tight end or you know or do anything that they that they want to do to keep him from getting into the backfield because they know that they, that on most plays the other side of the line can probably be handled you know just by the the tackle who who's out there. I, I you know I I think back to the beginning of the 2022 season and I was starting to get really excited about the Giants' edge defender room. Because you had just drafted Thibodeau. You had Ojolari coming into his second season after a good first season. They had uh Zimenez who had shown a little bit of promise early in his career. They had just drafted Ellerson Smith, who was a developmental project but looked like a really talented guy. And then they had had I thought stolen Quincy Roche from the Pittsburgh practice squad and he played well in a few in a few games in 2021. He won mm. the game against Las Vegas by uh, by strip sacking uh, Derek Carr at the end of the game. And uh, I said, "Wow, they're really developing a nice edge room on this team. And now you fast forward to now. And of course, Ziminez was just released from the practice squad. Ellison Smith could never stay healthy and he's gone. Quincy Roche was, was released. And Ojolari is another guy who can't stay on the field. And so you basically got Thibodeau and and I was going to say no one else, although that's probably a, it's probably a bad week to say no one else after after Jihad Ward got two sacks I believe against New England and Benton Whitley who was only in for a few snaps actually blocked a pass from Bailey Zappi toward the end of the game that 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 might have been a that was a drive killing play so he actually uh, actually did some good things but the Giants really are, are so shallow at this position that having Ojolari return to full strength and be anywhere near as effective as he was in his first year, I th- would mean, I think so much to that defense.
1: Absolutely. You got one more.
2: Uh, and so the, the one more who I think is one of the in- most interesting cases is Xavier McKinney. And you know, I, I've never been so, I think puzzled or frustrated with a draft pick that, as I have been with McKinney, uh, you know, if you go back to draft night in 2020, As they're getting toward the end of the first round, of course, the Giants had taken Andrew Thomas, and we knew that they had a high second round pick. And as they're getting toward the end of the first round and on TV, they're always looking at players that are still on the board as each team comes up. And Mel Kuyper was going crazy repeating almost every five minutes and Xavier McKinney is still sitting there he's a definite round one value and when he didn't go in the first round he was surprised and then when the Giants came up early in the second round and grabbed him I was just absolutely thrilled I said oh this is going to be a great draft you got your left tackle you got your free safety and that was a deep year for for safeties there were about five of them I think that went in that second round. And really the only question is whether McKinney or Antoine Winfield Jr. would be the, would be the best of them. And in 2020, naturally, you didn't get to see him much because he, because he got hurt in training camp, but he did uh, uh, in, in uh, uh, 2020, come back at the end of the season and intercept a pass in the end zone to save a win against Dallas in the final game of the season. And then in 2021, he started to look like the guy. He had, I think five interceptions uh, that season and looked like he was kind of taking over there as the as the quarterback of that of that uh, defense and i was really excited when wink came in I said oh wink is going to use this guy in all kinds of different ways and it's going to be tremendous he's going to tap into his full potential and last year he just he was he was about as mediocre as you could get and then he went in and 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 had his ATV ride and missed the second half of the season um didn't come back till the playoffs. And good thing he did because he was the guy who tackled uh, TJ Hawkinson on the, the crucial play of the Minnesota playoff game on fourth and eight and held him to a three-yard gain. So he, he did contribute something important. But this year, it was more the same, uh, and he looked like nothing. Now, all of a sudden, after his, his outburst in Las Vegas – the last two weeks for whatever reason he's playing really really well and he had a finally had an interception this year and it was a beautiful interception where he had to really come down from center field uh to 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 get it and he's just played really well and i just say to myself wow i'd love to have this guy back on a second contract if they could afford it and that's another big question for him can they afford him because he'll be looking for something big and it's it's going to cost them I don't want to say $20 million, but it's going to cost them more than $15 uh, to, to probably get him to sign something that, that he and his agent will agree to. And you know what? If he can play the rest of the season the way he did these last two games, then I'd find a way to make that work. If not, then it's just another case of, of, a, of a lost draft pick,
1: I think. Yeah. And I hope it doesn't turn out that way he's had four straight weeks now of double digit tackles he's had and if you look at the pro football focus grades which are never the be-all and end-all but they are an an indication of a player who's playing well he's had grades of 71 83 and 91 the last three weeks so he is playing really well I've always looked at the way that Wink Martindale has used him because I think he's I think McKinney is a better center field safety, a better zone safety than he is a guy who who plays man-to-man defense. I think he's better in that role where he can face the quarterback and 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 play center field and make some decisions that way. And I thought it was worth pointing out that he was in center field when he made that interception the other day he was in a situation where he read the play and basically beat the throw to the spot and you know and made the interception and that was reminiscent of what he did two seasons ago and you know maybe that is also maybe using him in center field more and i'd have to look at the stats maybe that's an adjustment that wink martindale has begun to make just you know just changing up how we how the giants cover in the back end and uh, and i i find it a positive if if mckinney gets to gets to play facing the quarterback a little bit more
2: yeah, I agree with that. I've actually looked into a couple of those things that that you just mentioned. One of the other things that PFF does give you that's not subjective is they give you stats for defensive backs on where exactly or how many plays they play at each position: uh, free safety in the box, in the slot, and so on and so forth. And I was thinking that that yeah maybe maybe uh, the change over the last two weeks is that he's playing free safety more than he was playing early in the season. But that turns out not to have really been the, been the case, although he did play a decent bit of free safety against new England. And as you say, he was at the free safety position when he made that interception. Uh, the other thing I tried to look at is, is the the types of, of coverages that wink is, is using how often he was using man versus zone and what kind of zone. And, and I found stats on that for games one through 11. I didn't, uh, I didn't see it for game 12 yet. But the one thing about the Washington game, game 11, was that Wink played very little man defense in that game for the first time all season, and he played a ton of cover three. And, of course, if you're going to play cover three, then then probably McKinney's going to be the guy back there as the the middle of the field uh, safety uh, in cover three. And as you say, the play that he made the interception on last week it was a cover three situation too, where where the the two cornerbacks on either side were were playing zone coverage. McKinney was in center field, and and went over at, toward uh, Deontay Banks's uh, man, I think it was, and uh, and and cut over to make that interception. So we don't know what it is that that he wanted Wink to do different that Wink wasn't doing, but but whatever it is they should keep on doing it because
1: (laughs) there is, there is something different. And the last thing I'll say about McKinney is look, the giants are four and eight. They need, I say this over and over, they need difference makers. They need game changers. They need guys, you know, who, who change the outcome of football games. And if Xavier McKinney can be one of those players, and he can be if he plays the way he did the last two weeks. If he can be one of those players and he shows that to you often enough, then if you're the Giants, you have to find a way to make it work. You have to find a way. You know, he's still a homegrown guy. Even if it wasn't, you know, Joe Shane and Brian Dable who who drafted him, he's still a homegrown player. But if he can be a difference maker, you have to find a way to keep him in a Giants uniform.
2: Yeah, I agree and 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 I I guess if you know if you if you think about the the philosophy of of managing your salary cap then I think you just kind of outlined how you do it. There there are a small number of players that you have to give big contracts to and those are the players that you deem to be difference makers for your for your team. And so if if you get 2021 Xavier McKinney if you get the last two games, Xavier McKinney, then I could see paying that guy a big salary, uh, because that, that can really do so much for your backfield, especially if he can, can keep on intercepting passes, because we know that turnovers have been such a bugaboo for the giants. Not that they've turned the ball over so much themselves. It's just that they haven't generated many turnovers the last couple of years. And so if he can get back to that 2021 form, uh, that I think can mean so much to the defense because the defense, frankly, is starting to have a few of those real difference-making players. I mean, obviously, Dexter Lawrence has become the the ultimate game-changing player on on defense. I can't believe how good he, a player he's become, and I also can't believe how good a player Bobby Okereke, uh, Okereke has has uh, been in in a Giants uniform. I think he's playing lights out this season, and I ordinarily don't think of, of linebacker. Inside linebacker, you know, off ball linebacker, as as a difference making position, but he's making it a difference making position. So you have another one of those guys in the defensive backfield, then you you potentially have a real shutdown defense.
1: I I also think his pro football focus grades don't show it, and the results of a couple of of the games don't show it, but I believe very strongly in Deontay Banks. I think Deontay Banks, he's not that player today, but I think he will eventually be that difference making, maybe shut down, maybe not shut down, but very good difference making type player at a, at a cornerback position as well. Tony, last thing, last thing, really, five games left. Three winnable, what I would call winnable games: Green Bay, New Orleans, Los Angeles Rams on the schedule. We'll, we'll forget that. We'll forget those two games against that against that other team that, that that wears green helmets. That that other that that other team with one of those Kelsey guys. Although, but, you, although, uh,
2: although you never know by, by, by game 17, they may have clinched the division and only play their scrubs the way they did last year. And the giants almost snuck a win out of that one.
1: <laughs> hey, you never know. We'll take, take wins, whatever way we can get them. But um, just curious as an overall thought. I mean, do you care how many games the giants win the rest of the way, just, you know, as a team, as a product on the field, you know, what is it that kind of pikes your, your curiosity for the last five weeks?
2: So of course I want the giants to get the highest draft pick possible. Okay. And while it looks right now as if they, they, they probably are out of the running for, for picks one and two, uh, they're still, I think in the running for anywhere from, you know, three to four five or six or something like that. And if they, and if they actually go on a run, they might, they might even knock themselves out of the top 10. So Obviously, I want to see the Giants get, get as high a pick as as possible, but you find out, I think, what kind of a fan you are, you know, what type of fan um, you really are by how you emotionally react during the course of a game. And so over these last two weeks, I've gotten excited when the Giants play well. I want them. To, and, you know, that tells me I want them to win. Uh, you know, I want, yeah, I want the high traffic, but I want them to win more. And it's hard. For me to envision myself rooting against them to to lose any game, so I want to see them play well. I think these last few games are interesting, uh, you know, just because now the league will start to have gotten a little a little bit of film on Devito, and so you'll see have they decided on ways they think they can they can ruffle him and make him less effective than he has been. Uh, not so much next Monday night against Green Bay, but the following week against New Orleans. He's going to see a really good defense, uh, and I'll be interested to, to, to see whether he can actually kind of do some damage against a, a defense like that. And so, you know, these are kind of the things that I'm looking for. I want to see whether the offensive line really is starting to solidify. It's played better in the last four or five weeks. Uh, I'd like to see that continue so that it's not considered to be so much of a disaster going uh, into next season. And, uh, you know, oh, oh, I, I, I want to, I, I think I, I want to see Brian Dable and the staff weather the turbulence and come out the other side into calmer waters, not having had things blow up the way they did under Joe Judge in 2020. One, uh,
1: no, I didn't No, see, yeah. Tony, Tony, you mean, you, you don't want to see, you don't want to see who would win a brawl between Dable and Wink Martindale on the sideline. You don't want to see that on national TV. <laughs>
2: well, uh, well, that would, that would be fun. But, but frankly, I'll be disappointed uh, if, if Wink goes, because I actually, I love Wink as a defensive coach and I love Dable as a, as a head coach. And I think, I think he's done so many things well that I'd hate to see one of them go and and maybe it's inevitable that they that they part ways at the end of the season. But if I had my druthers, they'd they'd both be back next year. And what you just don't want to see is 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 the season blowing up the way it has so many times in 2017 and 2021 and, and and so on. Uh, I'm an, I'm an Ulster. I go back as far, I can go back to 1964 when, when things blew up from a, from a team that had been to three straight championship games. Uh, so, uh, I've seen enough of that in my Giants lifetime. I'd like to see some continuity in coaching and I like the guys they have there now. And I'd like to see them continue most of them anyway, if they want to replace Bobby Johnson, I'm fine with that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I hear you, Tony. Thank you very, very much for the time. Giants fans. Thank you as always for listening. Please remember to stay with Big Blue View for all of your Giants needs. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit plannedparenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause.